0: InfoTrack
1: continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. In the familiar way your kids are educated, they're grouped together in grades. But is this the best choice? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey is here with a story. Roy? Thanks, Chris. We're talking with Scott Barry Kaufman, an adjunct assistant professor of psychology at New York University and the author of a book called Ungifted, Intelligence Redefined, The Truth About Talent, Practice, Creativity, and the Many Paths to Greatness. Scott, welcome to InfoTrack.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: So basically the premise of your book is that the conventional wisdom of predicting or measuring intellectual ability may not be so wise after all.
0: That's the general idea, yeah. We tend to think of we're measuring intellectual, quote, potential by these tests, and that's what I want to challenge.
1: And you have a personal story that pretty much illustrates this, doesn't it?
0: It does illustrate it, but I want to make clear I didn't base my entire theory just on my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. But I did, from the first-person view, get a chance to really experience the potential negative impact of negative expectations. When I was very young I was labeled with a learning disability and auditory disability called central auditory processing disorder and I just remember being treated and feeling as though I was extremely ungifted for most of my early childhood experiences teachers and treated me with low expectations and they wouldn't let me take more challenging courses and this learning disability also made it difficult for me to show my intelligence on an IQ test which was the predominant marker of whether or not you are capable of more intellectual challenges. So lots of these early experiences really made me question whether or not we're really getting the best out of everyone.
1: Can you just talk for a moment about IQ tests and standardized tests in general? They're certainly used a lot these days.
0: Oh, they still are. You know, I don't think that much has changed in 100 years in terms of our conceptualization and measurement of giftedness. Even today, a lot of educational psychologists use what's called a global IQ score. So on an IQ test, there's actually lots of different skills that are measured. And you could go in and look at a person's patterns of strengths and weaknesses. So some people might be really good at verbal reasoning, like, you know, reading books and comprehending books, but not as good as spatial mental rotation or vice versa. And there's lots of skills measured. But even today, lots of educators still rely on this summary, this idea of this global intellectual capacity, which is just the average of all these different cognitive abilities. And this global score is still used in a very rigid way in lots of school districts to separate the gifted from the ungifted.
1: Our guest on InfoTrack is Scott Barry Kaufman, the author of a book called Ungifted Intelligence Redefined, and we're talking about ways that the education system measures intelligence and intelligence potential. Scott, what kinds of things are you proposing? I know we just discussed IQ But what would you use in lieu of that and maybe some other changes that you write about?
0: I really want to make this call for this shift in our understanding of intelligence from this level which we're comparing people to each other along a single standardized metric. So we're saying you're intelligent to the extent to which you have this kind of mind or you're gifted to the extent to which this is kind of mind and putting certain kinds of minds above other kinds of minds as the gifted minds. What I want to call is for a shift from that whole way of thinking about intelligence to a very personal level where we take into account a person's individual dreams and passions like what are their goals? What is actually required? required to get them to their goals. The high IQ score is not relevant equally in all domains in life. So we take into account the individual's personal goals, their current state of development. So even the kinds of skills or mission IQ tests change over the years. So we need to take that into account and that these things can change. So these goals, developmental nature, once we take all these things to account, I think we could design an educational paradigm and there are lots of progressive schools in the United States that are trying to go more in this direction, or allow people to demonstrate to us what they're capable of at any current moment in time, and they're ready for engaging in something at any current moment in time. And let them show that to us in their own way through project-based learning, through inquiry-based learning, through their own voice, their own medium. Let's give them more of a chance.
1: I think many critics might respond that, hey, this is great in theory, but schools have to churn through a large number of students in a short amount of time, and this type of individualized or customized approach is not necessarily practical or it may be expensive. How do you respond to that?
0: Well, here's the thing. I take that criticism very seriously. But we're talking limited resources, and I do admit there are limited, scarce resources. The question is, well, even under the current system, how can we do better? How can we let less kids fall between the cracks? Well, one simple way is recognizing the developmental nature of these things and retesting every year, for instance, or every couple of years to see who might now be ready for more intellectual challenges, who is no longer benefiting from these resources. So even today, what we have is the system. There's not one state in the United States that on their official books of their conceptually of giftedness do they have any provisions for dynamic testing or retesting. There's very much this assumption that you're either gifted and that you can capture that in one place at a time when you're very young, and you will be the rest of your life. And more importantly, or if you're not when you're young, you won't be the rest of your life. So there's little things we can change even in the current system. So if we reconceptualize potential as readiness for engagement at any moment in time, engagement in anything. Maybe you're more ready for more advanced math courses or you're ready all of a sudden for higher level reading materials, things like that. What we do is we look at the person in front of us at every moment of time and see what their needs are. And we could do that without much of a loss. In fact, I think we would have a lot less people falling between the cracks if we did then.
1: Would making this kind of a course correction that you're recommending require a lot of retraining of teachers?
0: You know, I think that there needs to be a lot of teacher retraining anyway to be up on the latest understanding of developmental psychology, social psychology, the influence of expectations, a lot of aspects of social psychology that really impact how a person can function. I would call for a quite different teacher retraining program, yeah.
1: I think there's some homeschooling proponents who might say, hey, we're doing a lot of what you're describing right now.
0: Yeah, I have some friends who homeschool their children, and you're absolutely correct. They do. And I listen to them. And, you know, I wonder how we can apply lots of these great examples So they're not just, you know, homeschooling. But in researching this book, I looked at lots of examples of programs, these progressive programs where they're taking lots of these examples into account. And I think we can learn from them.
1: Scott, if a parent has a child who they think maybe is being held back by the current education system, what advice can you offer or what can they do?
0: it's difficult because they're working within the confines of their school district and the rules of the school district but i think that if they feel limited or stifled you mentioned homeschooling i think that is certainly a viable option if they really don't feel like the school district at all is recognizing their student capacities but even if they don't want to go the homeschooling route there's no reason why the parent can't offer enrichment to that child at home on their own terms offer encouragement offer support take the child's dreams seriously I don't think we can assume that educators are going to be taking the children's dreams seriously. But I think the parent is in the position to do that and really set them on a trajectory, instill a kind of growth mindset that will really help them throughout the rest of their lives.
1: Scott Barry Kaufman, an adjunct assistant professor of psychology at New York University and the author of the book Ungifted Intelligence Redefined. Do you have a website where people can learn more?
0: I do, yeah. It's scottbarrykaufman.com.
1: Thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. A production of Syndication Networks of Chicago. To learn more about our guests or listen to past shows, visit InfoTrack online at talkzone.com.